from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high. Watt gets the puck off to the races. Into the zone. The righty. Right circle. Backhander. He scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... That's what I said when I did some math about 45 minutes ago, and I got the right answer. Then I did it again just to double-check that I had uh, the correct answer. But we have an extraordinary third round that has piggybacked off of uh, uh, an increase in offense and goal production from the regular season into an increase in the Stanley Cup playoffs and now a high for the postseason. First game of the third round, the conference finals in the West we got a big-time production of 14 goals. Last night, not quite as high, but we didn't expect anything close to it. But we still got eight. And that means we are averaging through two games of the conference finals in the National Hockey League in the Stanley Cup playoffs, 11 goals a night. Who saw that coming at the start of the year and then halfway through the year? Maybe a little bit of a bump, but 11 goals a game? For the third round when everything's supposed to be getting tight. And now even even the more defensive-minded Eastern Conference, even with the uh, big-time talent of uh, Kucherov and Stamkos on the two-time defending mm-hmm. champions, are still yeah. giving us an eight-goal game. Yeah, I, I think. You know, you look at the the game last night between Tampa and the Rangers, I, I feel like that's kind of a one-off. I, I don't expect the rest of the series to go that direction. But I will celebrate all the goal scoring um, over the next you know couple of days because it's fun, it's entertaining. You, you tell me you're getting 11 goals a night in the conference finals. I'm signed up, ready to go, excited for that because goals are fun. What's the one-off, the goal production or the Rangers win? Because I think there's some <laughs> some uh, real question marks about whether or not uh, uh, Tampa doesn't come back and and run the table and blow this series out. Uh, that that's what I expect to happen. Is Tampa takes control of this series going forward? Uh, are you in agreement of that? And do you think the goal production has a chance now that you've seen the teams in action of continuing to be into double digits? Uh no, I, I mean, not from this series. I, I don't expect to get to see eight goals a night between the, the Lightning and the Rangers. I, I just don't think that we're going to get that type of production from those two teams. I, I would expect, even though he wasn't poor last night, I would expect Andre Vasilevsky to be better and closer to unbeatable, as we've seen him before. I thought Igor Shosturkin had a, a really good game for the Rangers. He's, his last three games have been nearly identical stat lines. He's faced 39 shots in three straight games. He's gotten 37 to 39. Like He's been very, very dialed in and good. Um, I, I don't know that I'm with you on the Lightning rolling the Rangers. I, I think that, that the game one was a game 
the Rangers absolutely had to have. They got it. They feel good about themselves. Mika Zibanejad's on the board and continuing to produce. You've got Artemi Panarin scoring a big goal. The kid line was really good. A lot to like from the Rangers, but the fact of the matter is uh, Igor Shesterkin made some pristine saves to allow the Rangers to win that game. They're going to have to tighten things up defensively if they have any shot in the series. Who do you think was the better team last night? Uh, I I think that the Rangers, I mean, the fact of the matter is the Rangers converted on their chances and Tampa didn't. And and the fact of the matter is like that has to factor into your decision making when you're assessing which team was the better team. I thought Tampa had some really good looks. I didn't think that they played as badly as, as maybe some people would would suggest that they did. I didn't think they looked completely in sync, but they weren't as, as mm-hmm. out of sync as some would lead you to believe. Uh, but I thought the Rangers were the better team. Okay, they, I'm going to give you some analytics. Okay? Chances. You love the they analytics. Executed. You love the analytics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give you some numbers mm-hmm. from my buddy, uh, Stephen Valaket. Is it a, he's heat, a, is he's it a an, heat map? It's a, no, it's not map? even close to a heat map. That that thing I would scrunch oh, up and, and throw into the garbage. Valaket knows better than to, than to give me a heat map. Uh, Valaket's okay. a former National Hockey League goaltender. He's part of the Rangers broadcast, uh, and he uh, runs this company called Clear Sight Analytics, and it's fantastic. And every now and then, uh, I'll, I'll jump onto something that uh, that Stephen has. So last night, it's a six-two win for the New York Rangers, and that mm-hmm. looks dominant. And the fact that the Rangers scored six like highlight reel goals, it was a two-on-one festival. Like playing stage B is a two-on-one, and it, that's been the story uh, of the conference finals. Really, as odd man rushes and and defensemen yeah. unable to uh, to stop it. But here's here's some numbers for you from the uh, the thing and the Rangers game that that went heavily in favor of uh, the team that that calls MSG home. Thirty-two chances for the Tampa Bay Lightning to twenty-four for the Rangers, so plus eight for Tampa. When you look at high danger chances, and you you love this kind of thing, I I, I know you do. Uh, it was eight eight, so not not an edge uh, for the New York Rangers. It was very balanced, and for mid danger chances, Tampa Bay had plus one. Low mm-hmm. uh, percenter chances, it was all Tampa Bay. In uh, in nineteen to twelve, so plus seven. Expected goals last night. Mm-hmm. I still don't understand how they really figure this out, but uh, but Valakit's way smarter than me on this. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning were expected, based on their their chances around the net, mm-hmm. to score three point seven seven goals. The Rangers two point nine seven. Now mm-hmm. they basically converted. They converted five of eight. High danger chances. That's extraordinary that they would convert five of eight, and that the Tampa Bay Lightning were one of eight. That that that's your game right now is cashing in when you get the great look, and that's exactly Mm -hmm. what the New York Rangers did last night. But the overall numbers say that the Tampa Bay Lightning were actually the better team, even though everybody's talking about this uh, this rust factor from the from the Bolts. Yeah, I don't think that they were rusty, but they weren't the better team last night because they didn't execute. They were rusty and defensively. That's not, that we, that's not something that we come to 
suggest or talk about with Tampa very often. Like when you have Kucherov and you have Stamkos and you have guys that have high danger chances, they bury them. And they didn't last night. Igor Shosturkin was better at at coming through with the save when he needed to come through with the save. And that's been the story of the New York Rangers' entire season. Like, we've had this conversation about New York before where they have played good teams and they couldn't beat good teams because they were not outplaying good teams. Yeah, that was halfway they through the year that they were relying, like that. Yeah, they, they were relying on great elite goaltending and converting enough to get victories. Right now, game number one, it worked. They were elite at converting on their chances. The Tampa Bay Lightning weren't. That's the difference. I just want to jump in on the Valaket uh, offering. And it is really, really cool that uh, that he puts this out here uh, from Clearsight Analytics, uh, his, his company. And if you want to follow Stephen on Twitter, uh, Valley's View, Valley's View uh, is his uh, Twitter handle. This is the... I love the numbers, and they do say that Tampa Bay was much more in the game than a 6-2 result. But I don't think Tampa Bay was anywhere close to being what I expect Tampa Bay to be. And I I like the little feistiness at the end, too. Just a little payback uh, from uh, the frustration, uh, getting it, uh, venting it. And then the other one is just this could be a long series here. You, enjoy your time. I hope the crowd sings all the way into the night. But but we're going to be a factor here. And it wasn't just Maroon. Did you see Cal Foote uh, throwing the jabs mm-hmm. at the end of that game? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I love that message. It wasn't dirty and cheap shottish and, <laughs> and over the top and, and brawling where it was, it was more of a what you'd see or expect. In the final minute, as time expired from from a National Hockey League game, and I like that message that they, I I like it when teams are upset, and when teams are mm-hmm. are angry and not afraid to show it. I love that part of it because I need to know you just lost, you were nowhere near as close to winning that game, uh, and and you're uh, as upset as everybody else is, and I think I think that's a significant factor. We don't see a lot from the Tampa Bay Lightning because they they win all the time. But uh, I, I think there was a bit of a message in that uh, last night for the for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that goes from a youngster uh, like like Cal Foot to a veteran in in Pat Maroon and everybody else in between. Yeah, I, the the scrum at the end was interesting. I, I in those moments, I just kind of want the players to go. Like I, I understand, and, and don't get me wrong. Like you get in the middle of Pat Maroon and Ryan Reeves, you've got some guts as a linesman in that situation, especially to be sandwiched in that spot. But, you know, it, I would have just rather seen those two guys go. Instead oh, like, of like fight kind of wrestling around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At yeah. first I thought you and, wanted them just to leave. I'm like, Ryan, no, 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 no. I want them. Come on. I want them to go Darren. Like clearly Ryan. there's only one connotation to my words when it comes to those two guys. Well, as upset as you were about Jordan Bennington, I, I, I wasn't sure there. Uh, I, I, I had scar tissue. Fighting in a game. No, 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 hold on. Fighting in a game is incredibly different than walking back into the arena and throwing a water bottle at somebody. One is admirable. The other is childish. You could say both have little effect, but... Uh, I think the the scrapping I, I, at the end is is a little bit 
a touch more impactful. Well, what again, what impact, mm. if any, did Jordan Bennington's water bottle throw have on that series? None. Literally none. Literally none. And we'll see what happens because there's a lot of people say that's useless, that stuff at the end. I, I don't buy into that. I, 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 I like the uh, I, I don't like think the it's useless. Uh, the I Rangers useless because I, I agree with you in that you like complacency is a real thing, right? Like if you're as successful as the Tampa Bay Lightning have been over the last two years, losing a game probably doesn't bother you that much. But the fact that it does gives your opponent an idea of how difficult it's going to be to get three more wins. Uh, I've got an update on a couple of VGK prospects, uh, drafter players, uh, who are having a heck of a postseason themselves. Uh, tell you about uh, Lucas Cormier and Jacob Brabenek uh, in just a little bit, as uh, they are uh, still going in their respective seasons. Also, uh, the development camp is coming up right after the draft. So the draft is the 7th and the 8th in Montreal. Vegas Golden Knights uh, partaking in that, uh, as usual. And then the next week will be the development camp, uh, and I'll uh, tell you a little bit about that as we continue on in the two hours of the VGK Insider Show. Uh, the Rangers won last night's game uh, by uh, scoring uh, on two-on-ones and putting home some beautiful goals and getting more great production out of the kid line. Are you ready to buy in that this kid line is something special, or is this something that Gerard Gallant has just found uh, late in the season, and he's he's riding this? He's riding it. it. He found a combination of three young players that have come together and elevated their game. Like uh, Philip Heedle's been on an absolute heater. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere, I think, is built for the playoffs, and Cavalcaco is kind of there. Like. I, Probably the least impactful of the three players on the line, at least in, in, in terms of the score sheets, but on a nightly basis. But those three kids seemingly have some magic together. And if it's working now, don't don't test fate. Don't break it up. Just roll it for as long as it's possibly uh, providing you offense. And it has been for the Rangers consistently in this playoff run. So I've done a bit of research into your kid line. And you were talking okay. about them uh, yesterday, and I mm-hmm. and I love that we were ahead of the curve on that. So good on you, oh, I was uh, right. Ryan, going yeah. into uh, going into Game One against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the kid line: uh, Philip Heedle, Capocacco, uh, uh, Alex Lafreniere. Uh, Heedle was a healthy scratch late in the regular season. Mm-hmm. He, he like he missed a couple of games by coach's decision, and yep. then. Leading into the playoffs, Jarglant put them together. And we are talking the three youngest players on the New York Rangers. And the coach puts them together and asked Heedle to play more like Mika Zabanajet, power and and uh, determination. And he got that message. And what you have now is three youngsters who are on a roll and have some chemistry. And I don't know whether... This is a blip in their careers, but in the in the form of uh, Caco and Lafreniere, uh, like that that's like they're 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 blue chippers, and, and Heedle has found something. But here's here's the real uh, interesting part of this: they are stirring the drink right now for the New York Rangers. Uh, Lafreniere is eighth 
among forwards in ice time. And he tops the kid line in ice time. And he's eighth among forwards. Heedle is ninth. And Kako is 12th among forwards. You know my forwards you dress? <laughs> 12. 12, usually. Yeah. 12. Yeah. So, the, and, 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 uh, 10, 11, 12 would be your, your fourth line. So these Lafreniere and uh, Heedle are getting third line minutes on average among New York Ranger forwards. And Kako is the last. But when they're out there, they're getting some stuff done. But as far as carrying the New York Rangers or being leaned on uh, by the New York Rangers, it's a bit uh, of a misconception just based on the ice time. Now, the points are there, and, and the production is there, but it's, it's more they're doing more with what they're getting than getting 25 minutes a night. Yeah, I, I make... Maybe uh, maybe I should clarify. I don't think that they are a line that's that's going to be relied upon. That's Mika Zibanejad. That's Chris Kreider. That's Andrew Kopp. That's those guys that you expect to score and you're banking on continuing their production for the Rangers in this round. But if you continue to get a couple of points here and there from Lafreniere, if you continue to get a couple of goals here and there from Philip Heedle in the ice time that they have, that line can be the X factor in pushing the Rangers over the top. That was my expectation for the line going into the series, is that if they continue to produce in the ice time that they are getting, then that's your depth scoring. That could push the Rangers over the top. Uh, but like I said, I, Heedle's on an absolute heater. Lafreniere, to me, seems to feed off of the intensity moving up, the 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 compete level dialing and ratcheting up. Over well, did you hear what Mark playoffs. Messier talked about him? Said said he's built for the playoffs. Yeah, body yeah, I, and, I and competitiveness. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think that he's right at home in, in these types of games where every single inch of ice means something more and matters. He's right there. He, he enjoys it. He's he, And, and Heedle is, uh, you talked about uh, the production. That he's, he had eight goals during the regular season. He's got seven right now in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. He's so good yeah. that this line that has been great for the New York Rangers since late in the regular season was actually broken up to try and get some of the other guys going. Like Heedle was put with Zabanajet and Kreider for a little bit against the Carolina Hurricanes in that series when the Rangers were having trouble scoring in games one and two and uh, and looked like they were they were on the ropes one of the a uh, uh, couple of times in the in the first two rounds that they've trailed by multiple games so uh, they're they're also being used to to fix things but in the in the grand scheme of things they did did last night not come down to Igor Shesterkin just being mm-hmm. the the better goaltender, he was really electric last night. Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, I, I, you don't have to get me to talk about Igor Shesterkin that much. Like I, I think that he's a phenomenal goaltender. I love watching him play, and he was great. Last night, I mean, you you look at the two goals. It's just an absolute blast from Steven Stamkos. You you give you know you give up the second goal of the game, and then lights out from there. A couple of really good stops in tight. Um, he's 
got the potential to steal a series. The the only problem with that is so does Andre Vasilevsky. So to me, as the series progresses and as we get more and more uh, in tune with what we're going to see out of the Eastern Conference Final, I think it's going to come down to which goaltender is better four times well, out of seven. The, here's the issue, though. Shesterkin hasn't stolen a series so far. He's gone seven games against Louis Domingue, first six with Louis Domingue, really, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then Tristan Jari jumped in, and he was cold. So uh, like, I think that series should have been more efficient by the New York Rangers than it was. And and he he was back and forth, uh, good at home, uh, questionable uh, on the road in the last series. I don't think Igor Shosturkin has played up to his game yet. We we can say that for Andre Vasilevsky. He allowed three he allowed more goals last night than he did the entire series against Florida. That's how Double good uh, goals. Yeah, that that yeah. that's how good he's been. Uh and, and mm-hmm. especially in winning those uh game six, seven against Toronto and then the four game sweep against Florida. We've seen him at elite form. And the New York mm-hmm. Rangers need to see a little bit more, con- like, they need to see more of last night from Sesterkin on consecutive nights. Uh, four nights in, in a row, five nights uh, out of seven. Uh, that kind of thing, if, if they're going to win this thing. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I think that you can make a, a legitimate argument that Igor Shesterkin has gotten better as the playoffs have gone on in much the same way Andre Vasilevsky gets better and better as the playoffs wear on and and as I, I mentioned the last three starts for Igor Shosturkin he's faced 39 shots made 37 saves a 950 goaltender in two elimination games yep. more or less and opening up the Eastern Conference final in the biggest spot of his professional career in the NHL against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions and he was the better goalie I think he might be going in the right direction. We'll see. Time will tell. But Igor Shosturkin might be on the precipice of getting to that level in this series. And if that's the case, that's not a good thing for the Tampa Bay Lightning. In the modern era, uh, only a couple of goaltenders have taken the New York Rangers to the Stanley Cup final. Mike Richter and Henrik Lundqvist. Igor Shosturkin trying to join that group uh, in the battle between uh, a couple of uh, Incredible Russian goaltenders, uh, Shesterkin and Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, we uh, are going to talk about tonight's game. Uh, it's coming up uh, at the top of the hour. They will start uh, just after the top of the hour. Game number two between the Colorado Avalanche looking for a 2 nothing series lead in the Western Conference Final against the Edmonton Oilers. There's some lineup news to tell you about uh, in that one. Uh, let's get to that right now as it involves uh, the... Uh, appearance of this series and then we will dive deeper into what we expect to happen uh, in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. But uh, Pavel Francis is going to start in goal for the Colorado Avalanche tonight. And that uh, that is not the game plan for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, nothing against uh, Pavel Francis, but he's the backup uh, on that team. Uh, he allowed three goals on 21 shots in relief of Darcy Kemper in game number one. He did he did get the win, but 
he was on the ropes a couple of times. He had some moments, but he was on the ropes a couple of times. Uh, Eustace uh, Anronen is going to be his backup tonight. Uh, he's played two National Hockey League games. Two. Mm-hmm. Has a goals against average of 4.34, save percentage of 8.63. I'm cherry-picking here. Those aren't uh, numbers that you should use as uh, a baseline, uh, but it's fact because he's only played two NHL games in a one-on-one uh, uh, appearance. This this is concerning for the Colorado Avalanche. It It is. And, you know, you brought up the point yesterday, Darren, that with Paolo Francois, it, it, good goaltender, but there's questions of durability, right? There's a, a yeah. question of whether or not he's going to be able to stay healthy as long as needed for Darcy Kemper to get back into the fold for the Colorado Avalanche. Personally, if Pavel Francouz is your number one guy for the remainder of this series, I think it tips the scales in favor of the Edmonton Oilers, and I think it does it by a pretty wide margin because I just don't think you can beat Edmonton with anything but your number one goaltender. I just don't think it's possible the way Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl are playing right now. I do not think that you can sustain against that team with anything but your absolute best between the pipes. Uh, Pavel has started games in this postseason because Kemper got the stick through his mask uh, in the series against Nashville and uh, left that uh, that game, and uh, Pavel had to uh, get a start uh, as well. But he's 3-0 in official decisions, so that's confidence-boosting. But his numbers, like it's he's knocking on 3.6 for goals against average, 8.89. Uh, that's probably going to be what he's going to have to put up to win this series. If if it's higher than that, it's going to be in doubt. Now, Edmonton is going to go back to Mike Smith. Uh, I'm not surprised at that. I thought the hubbaloo about, a, about maybe going to Mika Koskinen is too early at this stage. If Smith struggles tonight, Koskinen's in play for, for game three, game four. Yeah. But the way Mike Smith has bounced back in game two against Los Angeles after the giveaway and losing the opener of the playoffs and then getting pulled against Calgary uh, in a 9-6 loss in game one of the second round but was uh, brilliant, uh, 37 saves in, in a game number two victory. I am not shocked one bit. Uh, I would have been floored if they would have went to Miko Koskinen even though he was good in relief the other night. Yeah, I... I mean, I would make the argument that Miko Koskinen's in play if Mike Smith goes, if he allows two easy ones or two quick ones or, or really two goals through any stretch in this game. Like, if Mike Smith does not look good in this one, I think you go to Miko Koskinen and then you see where everything falls after that for Game 3. Uh, but I, I would I would agree with your assessment in that if Mike Smith struggles tonight, the Edmonton Oilers are going to have to go to Miko Koskinen, which then gives you kind of an idea of what we might see the remainder of the series. And and it really kind of lends to the goal scoring not coming that far, that much down off of what we saw in game number one because you're relying right now for Colorado on a backup and you don't know what version of Mike Smith you're going to get. It's fascinating uh, in terms of what you're going to get from goaltenders in this series. I'm curious from you uh, listening right now and uh, Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman, what is a good night for the two goaltenders this evening in the Western Conference Final? Is it allowing two goals against? Or can you call a good night in a series that involves 
these two teams allowing four goals, five goals. Can, can we get to, to that level in this historic uh, offensively filled uh, third round series between the Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, the VGK Prospect uh, Camp will follow the National Hockey League draft at City National Arena. I've got some news on that. Uh, plus, uh, a couple of prospects uh, is uh, are on the ice, uh, getting ready for a huge moment in their careers. We'll update uh, that as we continue. And plus, uh, one of the major uh, awards has been announced and another one is on the way we'll uh, inform you on all the happenings on the vgk insider show as we continue on fox sports las vegas we're back to the vegas golden knights insider show on fox sports las vegas 98.9 fm and Our stuff from Chris Chapman, bringing it. Mark Messier Leadership Award. Uh, congratulations to Anze Kopitar, uh, this year's winner. As uh, Mark Messier hands out some serious hardware, uh, one of the top uh, captains of all time. I don't, I don't have any trouble with that, uh, with Anze Kopitar leading the LA mm-hmm. Kings back to the promised land of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean... He- Good for Andre Kopitar. Um, it, it sets up for a really fun interview when uh, you've got Mark Messier giving out his own award to Andre Kopitar. Uh, it, it was it was fun TV last night. Uh, but yeah, I mean Andre Kopitar. It's it's uh, one of those situations where you, you know how good he's been throughout his career, and you knew that this team wanted to get back to the playoffs. He was a big catalyst for it. I wonder if it's the last major moment in Kopitar's career. I hope not. <laughs> um, but uh, he he was really 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 good uh, in a, in a bounce back uh, fashion for the Los Angeles Kings this year. Uh, it, one of one of the great starts uh, of his of his entire career. So uh, that was awesome. Uh, part of that uh, had to do with uh, growing the game as well, uh, both uh, at home and and uh, and here in North America. So so that's cool. We're also expecting the National Hockey League Coach of the Year Award to be announced uh, at some point during this hour leading up to Game 2 of the Western Conference Final. And the the finalists for that award, an incredible collection of people. Uh, we have Jarek Lent, first year with the New York Rangers. Uh, you have Daryl Sutter, second year with the Calgary Flames. And then you have Andrew Burnett, the interim coach of the Florida Panthers. There's nobody cheering for themselves more than Andrew Burnett, <laughs> who's thinking, if I can win this thing, mm-hmm. how do they not bring me back as the head coach? I know we got swept in the second round by the Tampa Bay Lightning, our arch rival, and we went seven against them a, a year ago. But really, how how can that happen that I'm the coach of the year and I'm not back? Um, you get swept in the the second round against your arch rival and you only score three goals in four games. And then you see the New York Rangers put six up and one against that same team. Uh, That's number one. Number two, um, Barry Trotz exists, right? Like Barry Trotz is out there. He's available. He is doing the rounds and seeing what situation makes the most sense for him. And if there's any inclination or any desire 
to move in a different direction, you could really do no no better than Barry Trotz in that situation. So um, those are two reasons, despite winning or losing the Jack Adams, why the Florida Panthers might look to move on from Andrew Brunette. Uh, Barry Trotz has won two Jack Adams awards as coach mm-hmm. of the year. Uh, before we have the official announcement, I want to run through a couple of things for you. Uh, little okay. little tidbits about about the tidbits. coach of the year. One or observations. I One like tidbits. Is there's a belief that the coach of the year award is a curse? Do you guys believe that? <laughs> yeah, I do actually. Yeah, there's probably some merit to that. Okay, Rod Brindamore won it last year. Uh-huh. Okay, Bruce Cassidy won it the year before that. There's some. He's still coach of the Boston Bruins for right now, but there's some been some scuttlebutt about possibly making change, putting some pressure on. Uh, Barry Trotz won it with the New York Islanders. He's not coaching them anymore. Right. Gerard Glant won it there before that. He's not coaching the team he won it with anymore. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. N- nobody is with the same team. And then he get into like when was the last time you saw or heard Bob Hartley's name? Like he's 2015. We haven't heard from him. Patrick Waugh's not even yeah. in the league. Paul McClain's hey. not a head coach. Ken Hitchcock isn't in the league. Sure. Dan Bilesma isn't a head coach. Yeah. Dave Tippett won it with Phoenix. He just got fired. Yep. Like, you go back through all those, say, from 2021 sure. to 2001. Okay. All right? There is is Bruce Boudreau and Barry Trotz, Gerard Gallant, Bruce Cassidy, and Rod Brindamore still coaching. Five mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. They currently employ. Yeah, I mean, five guys. I, I will. Sorry, I Lindy will, Ruff's in there too. Uh, I will absolutely say that it's a curse. For sure. Six right guys co- uh, in, in the last 20 Coach of the Year Winners yeah. are still coaching. Right. Wow. Now, here's another it's, one it's for curse. you. A little tidbit for you. Okay. The Coach of the Year was created, first awarded, in 1973-74. So we've got a whole cross-section of winners of the Coach of the Year. Some you're very familiar with, like Pat Quinn. Hall of Famer, uh, others that uh, that maybe kind of don't jump off the page for you. Bobby Crump uh, with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Bob Murdoch won it with the with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, now the uh, Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Scotty Bowman ha- has won it. Uh, John Tortorella uh, has 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 won it. So we we got some big names here, big big names. The guy that's won it the most is Pat Burns. Winning it three times, uh, the late great Pat Burns, but Trotz has won it a couple of times. Torts has won it uh, a couple of times. Jacques Lemaire uh, has won it a couple of times. Scotty Bowman, best coach of all time, he's only mm-hmm. won it uh, a couple of times. But since nineteen seventy three seventy four, listen as you're driving or you listen to the radio. How many times do you think the coach of the year? has won the Stanley Cup in that season. Hmm. That's interesting. 
That's a really, really good question, Darren. We're almost 50 years with this. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm my initial guess was five. I'll stick with five. The five. fact the fact that you throw the question out there like it's extremely rare. I'm going to say none. <laughs> That's a good guess. That's a Price is Right bet right there. Yeah. <laughs> I would have expected it's the coach of the year mm-hmm. on the surface, seven to ten. <laughs> Except you have to take into consideration this is really a most improved or overachiever award. Sure. When you look through the list of winners, like Glenn Saylor won it, but he never won it any year that the Edmonton Oilers won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. But this, the the, the previous winners, uh, yeah, like Bob Hartley, Calgary Flames, had a great year. Patrick Waugh, Colorado Avenue, we didn't expect much. Paul McLean, the Ottawa Center, same thing. It's It's how do you take your team and surprise everybody? The number of times that the coach of the year winner has also celebrated a Stanley Cup championship in almost 50 years is three. Hmm. Well, I know one because I'm looking at it. You're looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I pulled up the winners after you asked the question and I gave oh, my answer my just just out of Chapman. curiosity. Chapman. So, so I can name Chapman. one you, of them. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You guessed zero. Yeah, but I, I and then you come back and say I know one. Well, I didn't want because wanna, I'm looking at. I didn't want to cheat. Okay. So so I looked it up after I guessed zero. So I, I know. So at here least here one are the three them. winners: Fred Shiro, the Fog, in 1974, first year that the Coach of the Year was was handed out. The Philadelphia Flyers won the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Scotty Bowman did it in 1977 part of that Montreal Canadiens dynasty. So I, I think that's a, a realistic uh, number right there. Two times in, in the first five years that sure. it's handed out. Sure. Like, uh, th- that seems logical to me. Yeah. The next time it happened, <laughs> and the only time since, yep. was John Tortorella in 2004. Yeah, buddy. Three times. <laughs> It's become, it, it isn't the coach of the year. It's become overachieving, doing better than everybody thought. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. Thanks for asking, though. Can you tell me how? This is the sixth time in eight years that John Cooper has been to the conference finals or the third round. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Including this year and the nominees this year because he could still win it this year. Except he's not nominated. So, <laughs> including those, like, the last eight years, he's been in the third yeah. round six yeah. times. Yeah. How many Coach of the Year awards does somebody like John Cooper have? Chapman? I mean, common sense would say he's got to have at least one, right? Yeah. But I know he he's doesn't. Not. He doesn't have any. Yeah. So... Are you just <laughs> recognizing this now? No, that, I'm, that it's I'm, not the the best coach. I'm like just that, that's not the criteria of the award. Anymore. No, but I was pointing out. Uh, I, I honestly, until I did the research, thought yeah. that the Stanley Cup champion had won Coach of the Year 
more than three times since yeah. the early 70s. I, I absolutely 100% did. And I can't yeah, believe I, it's only three times. Well, it gives you an idea of what the award has turned into. And it's turned into exactly what you said. It is most improved. It is team that surprised us the most. Let's look at who their coach is. Right? Like, it, and, and I'm not taking anything away from what Gerard Gallant did with the Golden Knights year but, one. But, but I, I, see, no he one, made the final. But sure. And, and did yeah, an amazing did. job. That, that, and, that's as close and, to winning a championship as you get. I, I, and, and I'll accept that one. That's fine. But, like, my, my point is, you know, th- that's, that's a, a situation where if you would have put Gerard Gallant and that exact same run on any other team that was expected to be good that year, he would not have won the award. Could have done the exact same coaching job. But if you would have put him on a team, say the Washington Capitals, he wouldn't have won that year. It's it's because of the circumstance surrounding what his team was. And that's what it's been for, for years now. The fact of the matter is John Cooper, no joke, should win two or three of these in a row. Because he has been the coach of the best team in yes. the league. And I know I know that they're not the best regular season team in the league and even when they shattered records they he still didn't win coach of the year. Still there, didn't win. Which it. is ridiculous. But the fact of the matter is like he should be 3 years running right now. Jack Adams winner because you have to be good to continue to get greatness out of your team. You have to be on another level like John Cooper is to get everything that he's getting out of a Tampa Bay Lightning team that has done it for two years straight now, and yet no chance for him to win because Tampa's too good. Best chance for John Cooper to win the award is his next job. Yeah, When he's, when he's coaching uh, uh, a random group of people and they, they overachieve. Here's, uh, I'll let this go, and then we've got a break for uh, the play of the day. The uh, The winners, by the way, are my peers uh, selected by a poll of National Hockey League broadcasters? So that I, I'm I'm upset with them, my own peers. <laughs> but uh, I mentioned that uh, that Pat Burns has won many times. Here's the the teams that have uh, have won it the most times. The franchises with more Jack Adams Award winners than anybody else: Philadelphia. Detroit, Boston, and Phoenix. All those those four teams have four winners. Now, two of the Phoenix winners were with the Winnipeg Jets uh, 1.0. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, mm-hmm. Bill yeah. Barber, Bruce Boudreau, and Ken Hitchcock are the only coaches to win the award after replacing the uh, – the head coach who started the season. So there's some uh, Jack Adams award winners. And uh, when, when this year's uh, winner is announced, I don't think it's been announced just yet. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you right now, but it's, it's the only Stanley cup uh, champion person that can win it and be a Stanley cup champion for the first time since John Tortorella in 04 is Gerard Glant. Cause he's the only one uh, left uh, still going in the Stanley cup playoffs. So the play of the day is coming up uh, and then we'll get into uh, the, uh, 
beautiful, wonderful uh, progress by a couple of EGK prospects uh, in their uh, playoffs uh, right now in junior hockey. We'll update uh, that situation for you, plus uh, development camp, which is coming to City National Arena uh, next month. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson centered. Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Got a couple more things in my rant to come uh, in hour number two, but uh, the play of the day comes courtesy of the New York Rangers, outlasting the Tampa Bay Lightning in the opener of the Eastern Conference, thanks to Philip Heedle. Justin Braun put it on net, deflected out in front by Heedle. Lafreniere back for Philip Heedle. Topple Cockle. Right out in front, and Heedle scores again. Philip Heedle is on fire, and the Rangers lead for the third time tonight. On defense for Tampa Bay, and they still can't get it out. Fox knocked down the Sorelli clear. Fox puts it in the middle for Lafreniere. Back for Heedle, and he scores again! I love Sean McDonough with the call of that. Like, he was right into the Heedle story, mm-hmm. scoring his seventh of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, two really nice goals from Philip Heedle. I mean, really, all the goals last night for the New York Rangers were, yeah. were pretty. Um, the Panarin blast was, was pretty. The Zabanajad power play goal to make it 6-2, to two, that was just, you, you could see it coming, and there was no stopping it. So, uh, good game for Philip Heedle, good game for the kid line. And we'll see if they can keep it rolling in game number two. I thought the play that Adam Fox made to keep that puck in the zone basically jumped off the ice and was able to knock it down and prevent it from from uh, from them having to go back and, and, and get back on side. But that was a tremendous play. And I, I like the second goal just as much as the first goal. I mean, they're both really good goals. Kid line, uh, Lafreniere, 20. Kako, 21. Heedle, the elder statesman. That's why he's putting up the numbers at 22. We've got the VGK Insider Show, hour number two, coming your way. Going to get into game two between the Oilers and the Colorado Avalanche. Plenty of intrigue. Told you about the starting netminders as they were in flux going into this one. Colorado Avalanche left with their backup tonight. And the backup to the backup has only played two career games. (sighs) E-bug. Yep. Get ready. Start stretching. And Mike Smith uh, will go. But uh, as far as Connor McDavid, Evander Kane, Leon Dreisaitl, Nathan McKinnon, Nazem Kadri, Kale McCarr, we've got that storyline coming your way. It, they, they might score five goals in the first period just to have fun with Let's us. Hope. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show is coming up. Stay with us. Plus an update on the VGK prospects straight ahead. Thank you.